0: This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 311. Chris Lemick on True Nature Hypnotherapy. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's
1: your host, Jason Lynette.
0: It's a bit of an interesting story, oftentimes, how we end up meeting other people in this profession, how we notice what other people are up to, or even there's often a bit of a story as to how specific people end up on this podcast. And it's that I started noticing this guy who was not too far from where I live at the moment down in Virginia, or really up in Virginia as we're about to move down to Florida, but the nature of seeing Chris Lemig online and interacting and just occasionally chiming in and posting some rather interesting things. And it's about that time that suddenly his name popped up in my email having joined the Hypnotic Business Systems community and looking at, again, the interaction and just kind of keeping tabs on here's someone who just kind of gets it and also seeing a little bit more of the backstory that you're about to hear inside of this week's episode, a phenomenal conversation here with Chris, that following that route of becoming ordained as a Tibetan Buddhist monk, then leaving that world behind, and then getting into hypnosis. Which, in that moment already, I kind of tagged to go one of these days, we're going to get Chris on the podcast because, as this program is, these are the conversations that genuinely, as a practitioner of hypnosis myself, these are the conversations that I want to have. And, you know, just several thousand of you also get to listen to it as well. And hearing more of the story that you're about to hear of. Personal transformation to then looking to an opportunity to completely change a philosophy, a faith, a belief system, and kind of uprooting an entire life and moving to another part of the world, spending time directly with the Dalai Lama, and then making that decision to then come back over here to the States, and how hypnosis was a small part of the story originally, and then advancing that education. And now, as we like to say, becoming a true worker in the hypnotic profession, someone who's doing a lot of the right things. So you're going to hear a dialogue in terms of how Chris approaches change. You're going to hear some of the philosophies that have remained with him of the time spent as a Tibetan Buddhist monk. You're going to hear some of these strategies too, as of course, as we often do here on the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast, talking about the actual business strategies that are bringing people in and trust me on this, listen to that part of the conversation very carefully, because it's where there's a very specific piece of advice that a number of us have been saying for years. My premise of it is as in the 21st century, you are a media company first that happens to provide products and services. So it's a metaphorical shining of the spotlight in some different directions. And by doing so, creates a business that, listen to Chris's responses to some of my questions when we talk about the nature of a business, even in the midst of now taking everything online, what can you do to work with a clientele that you don't have to sell to is a very important conversation. And I'll just say it bluntly, is the way that you ought to be running your business right now. And if you're not doing that yet, Check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com or even better, we've got a brand new webinar. Head over to jasonwebinar.com. Turns out I've owned that webpage for a bunch of years. We've redirected that over to a brand new presentation called The Six Steps to a Six-Figure Hypnosis Business. This is a free on-demand presentation you can access right away at jasonwebinar.com, which inside of it, now this is a slightly different presentation than what I typically do, because sometimes we just kind of tell you the steps of what to do to grow your business. This one's about 45 minutes long, and stick through the entire thing, because it's not just going to tell you what to do, it's actually going to give you some of the step-by-step mechanisms to get started with those six specific things right away. The whole principle of this is these are the things that I come back to in my business time and time again, and even for my students inside of Hypnotic Business Systems or the folks I do private consulting with, This is kind of that sort of hit list of things that if you keep revisiting these six specific steps, that's what helps the business to grow time and time again, no matter what the global market may be. You can check that out over at jasonwebinar.com. This episode is releasing in February. So let me also give a quick mention to Work Smart Hypnosis Live com. This is the live and online hybrid hypnosis certification program that includes access to my hypnotic workers community as well. But this event coming up is a bit of a on demand, sort of a uh, by popular demand type event because we've previously done two events bringing on Dr. Richard Nongard as a guest trainer, selling out every single one of them. I was getting a bunch of emails saying, please do this again. And here we go. It's an ICBCH certification program, but I'll give you a preview of the video that you should watch over at the WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com website. It's the fact that about half of the people who take this event are brand new to hypnosis, and this is kind of their welcoming their entry into the profession. Meanwhile, the other half, maybe the majority of you who listen to this podcast, people who already have perhaps substantial hypnosis training, but maybe you're not consistently getting the results you feel you ought to be getting. Maybe perhaps you're stuck inside of rigid protocols or scripted techniques. And that's really what this training is about, is about breaking down the foundation of the process. And as I hinted in this conversation with Chris, how it seems this dialogue of an evidence-based approach to hypnosis in some way also mostly popularized by Richard Nongard is all about bringing the modern research of the hypnotic profession into the work that we do, which yes, as I talk about in this conversation, is actually about resurfacing 5,000 year old methods, some of which directly comes from Buddhist philosophy. So if you're looking for ways to really jumpstart your hypnosis practice, get some better techniques, and sort of eradicate the game of someone's coming and I don't yet know what to do. This is a training based upon building a universal approach to change, in which the quality of the change process is directly proportionate to the quality of the intake that you do. We're genuinely not because it's a popular phrase in the industry, but yes, indeed, the client writes the script for us. So this event will be unique as once again, Richard and I are doing this one together, which means you get even more stuff <laughs> content from me, content from Richard, and an onboarding into an incredible industry. So check that out Work Smart Hypnosis Live. Dot .com and genuinely this is a conversation I've been wanting to have for quite some time you are in for a treat listen the whole way through there are incredible nuggets in this conversation here we go episode number 311 Chris Lemig on true nature hypnotherapy
1: Yeah, for me, Jason, it was a little bit serendipitous. I was living in India actually for quite some time. I was over there for about three and a half years. I had actually taken ordination as a Tibetan Buddhist monk. And as I was living over there, studying Tibetan language, Buddhist philosophy, and religious ritual, the Tibetan culture, and and all that sort of stuff, alongside His Holiness the Dalai Lama, which was really, really super cool. Oh, wow! You know, I had an absolutely wonderful, amazing time over there. However, in about 2016, I had to come back to the states, and one thing led to another, and I just decided that it was best if I just returned back to to lay life. It's called. I, I returned my ordination vows. I you know just became a normal everyday guy, still a Buddhist practitioner and all of that. However, I was like. So what do I do next? You know, what's the sort of the next chapter in my life? And I had always wanted to do something that was like, you know, sort of counseling people, helping people through, you know, this jungle, you know, journey called life. And I stumbled across hypnosis and hypnotherapy training. And as I looked into it a little bit more, I was just struck by like how similar a lot of Mm -hmm. the basic principles and techniques were to all the stuff I had been studying for the past almost 15 years in terms of, you know, spiritual technologies and approaches and different techniques
0: yeah, which I'm want to go back in time here for a bit. sure. what was that what was that journey? What was kind of that thought process to then go into that that three and a half years over in India?
1: Well, it was you know just kind of one thing led to another back in about two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. I had started to get into Tibetan Buddhism, and you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of full disclosure here. I was just coming out of a period of, I, I was just entering a, a path of sobriety and recovery at the time. Mm-hmm. And the moment I got super, you know, excited and open to all these new different possibilities that life had to offer, one of them being Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism in particular.ly And I just said to myself, "Man, I got to get to India." So I flew over there, spent about two months. After the first three days, I was actually quite comfortable there. The first 3 days I was thinking, have I made a terrible mistake? <laughs> Is this the worst idea I ever had because it was really culture shock, you know, times a thousand. Is there
0: a specific moment that that illustrates that? Is there a story around that? Just
1: walking out of the airport in New Delhi the first time and yeah. you know, just completely disregarding everything I had learned in the guidebooks about don't do that. Don't walk <laughs> out of the airport until you've secured a taxi because you will get robbed (laughs) and so i walked out and i got totally scammed on a taxi ride and almost got taken to the wrong hotel and it was just crazy just going down the highway at you know after midnight and oxen carts going by and big trucks and people camped along the side of the road and smoke everywhere and noise and smells and i was just on overload yeah and uh,
0: and i was just like oh my god this is just terrible can i just get back on the plane So then when, when did that turn around then to go, okay, this was the right choice. This is what I'm doing now.
1: Yeah, it was when I had finally gotten up to a little town called Dharamsala, also uh, called McLeod Ganj, and that's where His Holiness the Dalai Lama lives. And I was able to go and see, I just my trip coincided perfectly with some teachings he was going to be giving. And so as soon as I arrived up there, this is about day two or three, the teachings began and I went down there and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is just amazing. So I, being able to see you know, the Dalai Lama like in person, very close up, without a whole lot of you know security and and all these sort of other factors, and just seeing him in his you know cu- you know cultural home, his environment was deeply moving. And I said to myself at that point, I was like, this is it for me. you know this is this is really it, and I really want to pursue this to uh, you know for the rest of my
0: life. so so that's kind of what what set me on that path. yeah, that's that's incredible then so then walk us through that sort of decision to leave that life then.
1: Yeah, I was, you know, I had I had pretty much gone all in, you know, put all my mm-hmm. chips in there and decided that I was going to, you know, take ordination and take all the vows of a monastic, you know, and I was studying the Tibetan language and, you know, really into it. I had actually gone to Tibet a couple of times. I had spent a lot of time in Nepal as well, which is very culturally Tibetan. And it was all wonderful and it was great. And, you know, to be honest, I ran out of money. <laughs> and that's just kind of a reality for you know Western monastics these days is that there's not a system of, of financial support like there is over in Asia. You know, the, the Buddhist monastic tradition and actually the just sort of the, you know, the, the spiritual aesthetic tradition is well supported over there it's well accepted there's there's whole systems in place that allow people to do that you know you, you're provided everything all your basic necessities your food your your housing and your clothes and that's really all you need and then you just you study practice the the meditation and practice the the teachings and and then you, what you return is what your you, the contract is is that you give back to society what you've learned and what you've discovered for no charge you know just just for the basic support and yeah. so, so when I came back to the United States, unfortunately, that system isn't here yet. And what I realized was, is I was just, I was going to have to go back to work anyway. I was going to have to take on a full-time job. And it just seemed to me that it would be better to just not try to balance those two things. It would have been too, it would have diluted the vows that I had taken, essentially. So mm-hmm. it would have made them be sort of moot, almost. You know, I would have had to be breaking all of these vows in order to just provide for myself. So I decided, you know what, I can still practice this. You know, I can still do meditation. I can still study. I can still practice. No problem. I can just go back to being a, a normal guy. <laughs>
0: yeah, I love that. Which let, Let's go into the sort of the personal side of it, though, which mm-hmm. is that, you know, going into it after some life events and then going through the experience of that if you had to kind of encapsulate whether it's whether it's based in faith whether it's based in philosophy some of the you know even just the tenets of what you had studied what would you say were those biggest takeaways from coming from that
1: yeah the biggest takeaways were just recognizing recognizing the universality of of human suffering And Mm -hmm. that's really uh, sort of at the core of most Eastern philosophical traditions, all Western stuff, too. No, don't get me wrong, but but it's definitely highlighted. And especially in Buddhism, you know, it talks a lot about the condition of life and how when we are, you know, kind of in the muck and mire of it, it's all characterized by this general sense of unsatisfactoriness, you know, Mm -hmm because everything's impermanent even the good stuff that we get even the all the success and all the you know the great relationships and and you know everything that's really positive in our lives all that's impermanent we're going to have to let go of that at some point so there's this general sense of like yeah, you know, things are great. It's not all total misery. But at the same time, there's a lot of suffering because we have to let all that go. And so that really resonated for me. And another thing that resonated for me was that I rec- recognized that not only do I suffer, but everybody else suffers too. And there was this element that, that really grabbed me of, you know, you can make all of that meaningful by looking at how you can, as a human being right now in this life, be of benefit to others. You know, how can you be of service to others? And by doing that, you... Transcend suffering yourself. <laughs> you know, sort of this weird sort of, you know, going against the stream kind of a view, you know. Well, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm having a hard time. Well, if I go and help somebody else and just kind of forget about me and help somebody else, that's actually going to make me feel better. So that's sort of the uh, sort of some of the essential core bits that sort of that altruistic attitude. It's called bodhicitta or the mind of awakening. And you could sort of practice that on a daily basis. And I was just
0: like blown away. It, it brought me to tears sometimes. Yeah, I love that. And you brought up something a few moments ago that is really right there—the the the definition as to why I love teaching, which is that moment where someone goes, "Oh, I'm already kind of doing this. Now I get to do it on purpose." Right. So those correlations as to what you were previously studying, and then getting into hypnosis and seeing a lot of, you know, correlations from one to the other. Right. If you can kind of you know, sort of bullet point what some of those findings were, what some of those associations were.
1: Yeah, sure. I, you know for sure there's this there's this element of service you know what we do in this profession is that we truly do serve others and and there's also that element of by serving others by uplifting others we also uplift ourselves mm-hmm. and so this is a wonderful like corollary concept you know and I think that we really do help people in this profession and I've only been doing this for a while a little while but I've already seen just the effects that you know that this modality has in people's lives and how transformative it can be so there's that deep satisfaction that comes out of that. And I tell you what, after I finish a session with somebody, uh, especially a session where we've had good rapport and there's been, you know, I can just see that there's been change. There's been you know insight i feel amazing afterwards you know i just feel so good and it doesn't matter about you know financial gain or anything like that that's not really the main main point at that point it's like man i just feel so uplifted myself so there's there's that aspect to it that that's that that helping other people you know working together to create these positive changes but then in terms of like technique i mean there's all kinds of these You know, things where there's a lot of similarities. We use a lot of visualization in hypnosis. And in the Eastern spiritual traditions, the spiritual technologies, sometimes they're called, it's all about visualizing. And it's all about visualizing in such a way that you're also reframing sort of your perception of reality. So you're looking at ordinary objects, ordinary phenomena, and you're just saying, you know what? Actually, no. I'm going to use my imagination and imagine all of this as being all awakened, all enlightened mind, enlightened energy, enlightened beings all around me, and in so doing, you sort of you up, you know, you uplift yourself and and, and move closer to a more of a enlightened view of of how things actually are. And there's also just sort of this aspect of just letting go of erroneous beliefs, things that yeah. are just not so true, unexamined beliefs that that we hold on to about how things are. And we stick our thumb on everything. And we say, this is how it is, and and, and it shall never change. And, and, and what we do in both in hypnosis and in, in these spiritual practices is we say, no, let's look at this a little bit closer and let's see how things really are. Ah, you know what? Actually things aren't as solid and real as I think they are. You know, these things that I've always believed about myself maybe they're not true. Maybe there's other possibilities out there. So there's these sort of like, you know, direct connections that I just find found to be so fascinating and and it was like I say it was a kind of this perfect, you know, way to move into this new chapter and slip
0: on this, you know, this this new set of clothing, this new hat, you know, which the fascinating thing is just just to give a time frame, when, when we talk yes. about Buddhism, when we talk about the philosophy, the tenets of that, like how far back time wise does that go? We're
1: talking, you know, at least twenty six hundred years. Yeah, and and also, you know, when we when we look at that, we have to understand too that the Buddha came out of, you know, the historical Buddha came out of a spiritual society that was at least five thousand years old, and and those 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 so he was he was steeped in that already and he just had a slightly different view on on all of that stuff that had already gone before him so it's incredibly ancient and that's the the amazing thing when we look at hypnosis it's like it's actually an ancient ancient
0: ancient set of principles so which, which what's amazing about that is this modern trend of this modern trend of evidence-based hypnosis right and when you look at what they're actually studying it's information like this which goes back you know, 2,500 plus years, right. And even further beyond that. So I I was curious to ask this when, when you're working with someone, are you directly at times giving reference and credit and talking about the origins of these things? Are they coming from just, you know, in terms of the personal change, putting it in their context, how much of this are you actually bringing in to the experience? Only that much which
1: is appropriate and yeah. only that much which which the client is open to. Nice. And and I and I work with people from the beginning and I kind of you know, I kind of test the waters there and I you know, I'll ask questions, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how how spiritual do you consider yourself to be? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so I have a have a kind of a joke that I don't have it on my website. I'm gonna try to put it in there someday, but I offer three tiers of service. I offer uh, no woo-woo. Semi woo woo and full on woo woo. <laughs> so um, yeah,
0: so it just sort of it depends on the person, you know. Although to be to be fair, oh, let's go here. There are some <laughs> levels that are even beyond woo woo. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> I'd go say that, you know you look at some of these philosophies that are inside of it, you know, and, and one of the themes that I've always really, really you know had a lot of benefit from. It helped me to break through some things of my own was the one that, yes, it's got a click-worthy title, the book that was called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, uh, which, what it's worth, hit a record by getting number one on New York Times bestseller without like mainstream media because you can't go on the NBC Today show or NPR with a book with that name. So he did that all by podcast. which even the author of it, Mark Manson, talked about this is repurposed Buddhist philosophy. The main sort of gist of that book was that when people become successful, they think their problems are going to go away. And the paraphrase is that, no, your problems become more interesting. Oh, OK. Yeah, I
1: like that. I like that. And so, they also become manageable. They also yeah. become extremely manageable. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like it becomes instead of the, oh, no, it becomes, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I get to, I get, wow, instead of like, this is such a drag, it's like, no, I get to learn something from this. Or, uh, you know, I get to work through, through this. And, yeah, and just learn something new.
0: Well, I think it's where these themes in terms of, you know, the, the idea that not necessarily are we getting rid of that feeling or changing that belief system when we, you know, even when we look at the models of, if it were something like hypnotic age regression, right. you know, the formula that needs to be you know, amplified inside of that model is that experience plus emotion equals perception. Mm-hmm, and it's right. the perception that's being worked on. It's not the event. The, the spotlight needs to be metaphorically shined right. somewhere else. So I was curious to ask, is there a specific story of working with a client that kind of illustrates the the background that you have really informing the specific suggestions, techniques, and the approach with them?
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes it's just kind of uh, serendipitous, you know, and sometimes it just things kind of flow. There was one client I was working with that we were doing some regression work. And we actually this person did not have any sort of preconceptions about, uh, you know, past life experiences or anything like that. And kind of went there, you know, and went there and started to have this experience of something that wasn't a memory from this life and just in a different, different setting, a different context. And, you know, we just kind of went with that and afterwards they were like you know well, that was kind of interesting i'm not really into you know reincarnation and i was like well you know you don't have to be <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it doesn't necessarily you know we don't have to take all of this literally all of these experiences you know the the main point here is, is that, you know, is there some sort of emotional transformation? Is there some sort of a release that happens? And maybe this was, you know, a genuine past life experience, or maybe it was your imagination. And it was, the, you know, a skillful way of your subconscious mind working through this problem and giving you a new, you know, context to place this in so that you could have, you know, some deeper insight. And they're like, oh, yeah, great. That works. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah, so that, that's, that's, uh, that's some pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah. Then so coming out of that experience, how was there a specific connection where hypnosis came into the story or was it just something that you had known of before and then explored? How would you kind of map through that experience? (laughs) Right,
1: right. A little bit of both. I, had actually had my own, you know, experience. I had experienced hypnosis before. You know, obviously the stage hypnosis in high school. I'd seen that, but, uh, but more personally in a in a therapy context. I I had a therapist for a while who I was working with, and she did hypnosis, and it was great. It was absolutely wonderful. So I got a little taste of it then. So I had known a little bit about it, but, but not not a whole lot. You know, it was sort of like just something that was in the periphery. Yeah. But then, like I say, when I started to look into it as and look into p- different programs that I could you know join up with and and um, uh, get my training I started to look into it. I was like, "Holy crap! This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is just really cool stuff." And I just, again, I was just blown away by by all the stuff that it uh, sort of validated for for what I'd been, you know, studying and practicing and learning, you know, for the past fifteen years or so.
0: Nice. So then, looking at the nature of things now, it's where you know, the more we do this, any decent training will cover. Here's different induction methods. Here's different right. change methods. But over time even as we're relatively new at it, we start to internalize things and mm-hmm. make it our own. It's where, you know, even in my trainings, I say the goal of this event is not to turn you into a clone of Jason Lynette. There's already one of me. It's right. instead for you to understand, as I say it at times, the insane level of attention, the detail that I put to what I do. Yeah. This way you better understand the how and the why it's not just a class going, oh, here's the tradition, do it that way. Yeah. But even early on, we start to make the process our own. So, Someone is now going to work with you. Can you kind of walk us through what that user experience then becomes? Yeah, sure.
1: And and I'm going to talk about the the ways that that I I, I invite people to uh, to engage in this experience. And and we can we can either go in this direction, or I can also, like I said, I can, we can tone down. Some of the aspects of it, and and maybe just do some more what you know quote unquote traditional hypnosis work. If it's just with maybe not just, but if it's with something like maybe stop smoking, we don't you know necessarily have to bring in the the transpersonal sort of spiritual elements unless you want to. So to, you know my ideal process is to first of all introduce people to this state of of hypnosis and just learn how to just go there and, and to just kind of let go and begin to to shut down that sort of that, that thinking brain, that neocortex functioning and, and get in touch with the, the more emotional limbic system stuff going on there. So we do that. But then immediately I try to take people into the direction of discovering and making connections with their own inner wisdom. They're they're that part of themselves that has been with them since the beginning, since their birth, and has seen every single experience, has witnessed every single, uh, you know, victory and tragedy and, you know, loss and gain and, and happiness and joy. And I put them in touch with that. And then from there, we start doing some of the therapeutic work. So by grounding them in this experience of there is a part of themselves that's truly amazing and and full of wisdom and full of love and and healing potential. I put him in touch with that. And then we begin to do some therapeutic work.
0: So let me, uh, let me that, pause you there because I sure. love what you just said in terms of building that foundation as to who they yeah. are, yeah. The, as we would say in other models, the assets, the resources that are right. already there inside of them. Right. And to bring in some history to this. Dr. John Hartland with the ego strengthening process, I think one of the very, I forget exactly which number, one of the very first episodes of this entire podcast series talked about the ego strengthening process, where as he put it, let's build up the individual before quote, he was a doctor, before going after direct symptom removal, Right, but building right. up of the individual, which you're doing in a very holistic way. That's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: And again, there's a connection right there too with the spiritual technologies of Asia because what those are aimed at doing is basically dissolving the ego, dissolving this this sense that, you know, I'm permanent, I exist exactly how I am and I always have been and always will. Breaking that down and recognizing that you're actually much vaster than that, connected to to just everything around you. But, but before you do that, you actually, ironically, have to have a strong ego. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have this sense of confidence and this sense of like I can do this, and this sense of self-respect, so that you take care of yourself along the journey because it's sometimes it's a it's a you know, challenging journey. So the same principle sort of applies to this process that I walk people through. I want them to have an experience, and we do it from the very beginning. You know, where my induction has, you know, has people getting in touch with the fact that, and just the fact that you're breathing, isn't that such an amazing miracle? Think yeah. about that for a little bit. Think about that oxygen going into your body. Every cell of your body knows exactly what to do with those oxygen molecules without you ever having to think about it. Isn't that a miracle? Isn't that amazing? That's you. That's who you really are. And then we go from there, you know? So yeah, so it's, it's, I love that. I love that. Uh, that ego strengthening
0: is very important. Very important which the way you just described that, we can think of it as a technique, we can think of it as a theme, and we can kind of satisfy both sides of that by, again, better customizing to the person. So then when you're actually then getting to the process of, let's call it affecting the change, Mm -hmm. what what are some of those go-to methods? What are some of those go-to
1: approaches for you? The ones that I tend to go to a lot are are pure motivation parts work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just because a lot of times you know there's there's these objections to change that come up and or there's the you know sort of the 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 quote unquote the problem state itself is maybe so uh, has become such a solid real thing that what i like to do is by, after grounding them in those resources that that place of um you know recognizing their own inner wisdom and strength and and uh, healing power to to actually have them have a discussion have a little bit of a dialogue with this part of themselves that's causing the problem that governs that that so-called problem area and through that process of, of inquiry and conversation and dialogue with that part you know, inevitably people will get to the realization that's like oh this part of myself really just wants me to be happy <laughs> Mm -hmm. This part of myself just really wants me to be whole and okay and in harmony and and loved and safe and all these wonderful, positive things. And so then we work through then at that point, integrating that by through through metaphorical and sort of imaginary um, images and things like that basically an agreement that hey you know all the ways you were doing this before really weren't getting what you really want which is that that wholeness that harmony that that peace whatever it might be whatever the positive motivation is so would you consider doing something different and inevitably the answer is eventually at some point the answer is yes i will and then we we go from there to cre- then create that change and oftentimes you don't have to do that consciously that that change just sort of happens
0: mm-hmm. Which again, by building that better foundation and connecting back to the identity, who they are. And I love that you said connecting with that motivation first. Right. Right. Yeah. So would you paraphrase that as being more of a, you know, more of an outcome based as opposed to problem centered?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about, you know, creating solutions. So finding the solutions that that we already kind of know what they are, but for whatever reason, there's there's something blocking it.
0: And it's usually just, you know, bad information. Yeah. So kind of walking through that, let's talk about whether it's resources, whether it's self-hypnosis, how do you tend to think about arming the client for their own long-term resilience?
1: Yeah, I really stress self-hypnosis. And by creating that connection with those those inner resources, whether we call it an inner guide or the higher self or, you know, whatever whatever language that, that the client decides is best for them is going to resonate for them. You know, I stress that, you know, use this, use this inner resource, use it on a daily basis, even, and especially, you know, for the for the immediate future after after our sessions and just get used to relying on that. So whenever things come up where it's like, Oh, I'm feeling a little wobbly again, or hmm, I don't know quite what to do here. Oh, wait a minute. I have this technique. I can instantly take myself into the trance state. I can meet up with my inner guide and they've maybe got an image in mind of that person, or object, or thing, or whatever it is, and that that representation of that part of themselves, and they can ask advice and, and find solutions to, the, to new problems that may be coming up. And the more people do that, the better they get at it, and the more, I think, joyful life becomes at that point.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So then looking at these skills, looking at these abilities, we find ourselves in a different world than where we were before about a year ago. Mm-hmm. What's, what's working for you nowadays in terms of bringing those clients in?
1: Well, what's working now is networking, and yeah. that was a bit, of, you know, a little bit of a pivot I had to do, you know, coming into, you know, this this new reality that we're all in. But I finally did join a, a BNI group, um, a Business Networking International, and that has been absolutely fantastic. So really, just kind of working with my own sort of, I guess, inner blocks or whatever uh, you might want to say about uh, about doing networking and getting myself out there. Those are breaking down now, like really just they're falling apart <laughs> as I join this group and, and talk to people and become a part of my community more. So you're really reaching out, you know, uh, talking to others in the community, networking, sharing referrals, all that kind of stuff is really helpful and getting out there with, with writing. You know, I write, I do a lot of writing online and I, you know, submit a lot of articles at different places and, and get, just getting my name out there. It's all about that, getting that visibility going. Yeah. Which let's
0: talk about that because there was a, there was a piece recently that was an interview, Mm -hmm. something that was published. Was it uh, medium.com? Yeah, it was uh, through uh,
1: authority magazine, which is a subdivision of Huffington post. Yeah, so that was wonderful. They reached out to me through the the people who I who I write for a lot called Choosing they're called Choosing Therapy, which is an online mental health resource. And so I do a lot of articles for them and they reached out to me through them and wanted to do an in-depth interview with me about kind of where I came from and how I got into hypnosis and a lot of the things that we talked about here today. So yeah, so just, you know, taking any, any opportunity to, to, to write something, to, to post something on somebody else's, you know, blog or, or, or website or whatever comes along, you know, all that sort of stuff. Anytime that I have an opportunity to sort of get out there and just say, hey, I'm here and I have something to offer you. Um, yeah. I, I do that. So nice. And that's another thing too. Yeah. I, I take a lot of cues from you as far as like putting out value for others, you know, not necessarily uh, selling myself to others, but just saying like, hey, I have this knowledge. I have this this perspective. I, let me just give you some things that are actually going to make your life better right now, here and now. And and maybe, you know, those people are going to use that stuff and it's going to make a difference in their lives and they never get in touch with me or maybe 5 years from now they're going to call me up and say like hey you know what i want to uh, i want to hire you for
0: uh, for your services so in in either case i'm happy which i want to highlight that which thank you for for that reference there that you know this is what i've been saying for years now that in the 21st century you are a media company first right that- happens to provide products and services (laughs) right as soon as you step which yes it's a reframe it's a bit of a refocusing of how we talk about what we do but as soon as someone gets that and sometimes it takes them a little time to hear it over and over and actually see it that as much personally as much as i'm branded as the business guy i don't spend too much time selling it's always educating and informing and what that does is there a experience you can think of where here was someone who found one of those articles and then became one of your clients. Absolutely, absolutely. Just about all of my clients, or nice. like, I would say about half of my clients. <laughs> okay, good. Days. So that works. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, yeah. It's, people, it's And it's something that I was very active in BNI in the early years, from like 2009 right. to like maybe 2013, and then briefly rejoined a different group with a different set of business goals in mind. And it's not that one was better than the other. I'll phrase it this right. way. Right. I found that. The client who would find me by my own organic efforts, they'd find the videos online, then land at the Virginia Hypnosis website and then come in versus the client who was referred to me. I'll I'll just say it simply. It was a different client. We could still produce the same result, but it kind of informed me what was necessary, what was not necessary. I'd be curious to ask you that here you are, it's the referral client versus here's the one who you're the media person. They've read your right. article and now they're reaching out. Right. What would you say is that difference between those two?
1: Well, the difference is, is that they're, you know, the person who's been exposed to what I have to offer, whether through social media or or articles or YouTube videos, just knows a little bit better what they're what they're looking for and yeah. and they've de- they've made this decision okay i want to make this change but how do i want to make it oh here's this guy chris and sometimes they've known me for years you know and and you know not like close personal friends but i have you know over the years collected a lot of you know connections over the over the web and social media and stuff and so i'll have people give me a call out of the blue who i haven't talked to in Six seven years, who say like, hey, I've got this issue. Can you help me with it? So so they've seen the things I've been offering for for years now. Not just since I've you know took on this new role as a, as a hypnotist and hypnotherapist, but you know throughout my whole monk experience and and all that sort of stuff. And they've have there's this there's this rapport already built, and there's this trust already built. And this expectation that I'm the person that's going to be able to to give them some sort of a point them in the right direction, so so that's the big difference. You know, when I get uh, referrals, that person isn't necessarily as um, and you say it all the
0: time as educated, yeah. um, as as those other folks. Which again, just to clarify, doesn't necessarily mean one is better than the other, but it does inform oh, no. us. That Okay, I need to do a little bit more thorough of a pre-talk in some ways. I have to quote sell the process right a little bit better now there's a there's a video I published a while ago of I'm working with a sleep improvement client and She was one of those cases where the doctor calls up and says, okay, here's the issue She can't afford me. She definitely can't afford you. I'm working with her pro bono and I thought of you And before you say it, Jason, I've already told her, you're going to put a camera on our go. Yep. (laughs) Um, But, and it was fun to share that with the students because I'm like, oh, you get to see me have to go, oh wait, I I don't have all my onboarding. I've got to do more stuff now. (laughs) As as Scott Sandlin says, the expectation to ritual ratio. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Though the dangerous question, Chris, is there one that you prefer? Let's see here. I okay, okay. Of course, I like the 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 pre
1: the, yeah. the packaged rapport built clients. You know, yes, absolutely. Because there's, it just feels like yeah, we can just get right to work. You know, right. But yeah. I but I also really love working with somebody who's brand new to the process. Yeah. And actually, one of the first people that I that I worked with right at the very beginning, I was doing a free health clinic, a local health clinic, and offering my services there once a month. And a guy sat down and he said, yeah. So can you hypnotize me? And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <Can> I? <laughs> and I said, yeah, my wife said I should come over here and check it out. And so he was out and he was totally not really um, from the get go. I could tell there was some resistance, a little challenging there. And I was like, well, you know what? I, I did a little pre-talk with him, and I told him it was really all, all up to him and, um, and that, you know, why don't we just give it a try and open your mind and you know possibly this might work for you.
0: And uh, he went right down. Nice. And, and so, uh, <laughs> well, right as I've and said, in. the same part of the mind that can make someone so cautious and so apprehensive is the same part of the mind that can make them a raving fan absolutely
1: absolutely yeah. <laughs> and he, he came out of that experience just being you know i could tell there was something there that said well that was interesting and you know what that's all i that's all i uh, i hope i can hope for you know is that it, it just changes people's minds just a little bit and you know, for the better so so yeah i love those kind of clients too so bring them on so that way you know it challenges me too to to just get better at my craft get better at my profession so mm-hmm.
0: Well, it also helps to inform what information is necessary the way that Mm -hmm. over time I've changed my pre-talk to go, let's talk about what is going to happen rather than what isn't going to happen because it depends on where the client is coming from. It's where the unfortunate part is like, well, what's the definition of hypnosis? And I think it was Ron Esslinger I heard one time say, well, it depends on who's in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're really still saying the same information, but it's a question Mm -hmm. of, well, how much more information do they need? Right, right. Yeah. Which This would be great. I know I've got the Medium article. If you could share a few more of those that we'll link to in the show notes over sure. at worksmarthypnosis.com so people can check those out. How can people get in direct contact with you? Yeah, the best way is uh, through my website, which is www
1: true nature hypnotherapy.com. And that's got all my information on there about my private practice about group sessions that I um, offer for, you know, quitting smoking and just kind of general, you know, positive energy, confidence boosting. And then I uh, also do uh, workshops and and all that sort of stuff. So all that information is there. My blog post is there more information about, you know, where I come from and, and what I've been doing.
0: Great, great. Then any final thoughts? We'll link to all that in the show notes, of course, at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Absolutely. Though, any final thoughts for the listeners out there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the sort of the main reason that I'm, I'm in, in all of this here is because you know, I've, I've done my own work on myself. And what I found is is that it's so important for us to realize just how special we are and how absolutely beautiful we are, kind of just as we are. And and so many people walk through life with all of this internal garbage and all of this negative self-talk and these, you know, these constant loop of of put downs and I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy and I'm not lovable. And it's just very, it's heartbreaking, you know, and I know because I've I've gone through a period of my life like that. However, I know that it's not how it needs to be and that's not how you have to be. There are, there's hope and you can, you can change that and you can recognize that your true nature is totally amazing, beautiful worthy of, of love and deserving of happiness. So that's, that's really my message.
0: And and I'm sticking to that. Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program for also interacting with these amazing guests as well. Head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com for this episode, throw up into your URL searcher, worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 311. That'll redirect you over to the show notes of this one. So you can check out some of the articles that Chris has written, which is driving a lot of his business. We'll also link over to jasonwebinar.com. That's kind of a shortcut to check out that six steps to a six figure hypnosis business on demand workshop. That's yours free. Check that out right away. And again, if you want to level up the results that you're getting with your clients, if you want to jump into this profession, join me and Richard Nongard. For the next ICBCH certification, that's over at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. See you soon. Join us all at Thoughts if you can make the trip and stay safe out there. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to the WorkSmart Hypnosis podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.